2: 40k stat center with your hosts val heffelfinger. heffelfinger and the falcon
1: london calling would the event organizers answer the most memed major of 2018 with a flop or flourish we talk to the winners of the lgt for the lowdown
0: Do you know what nemesis means the field that attack x you got to find out
1: we get Shanghai and chase that rascally dragon all the way to the 40k flop house at the East China Open,
0: and finally we get this baby up to precisely 88 miles per hour and generate the 1.21 gigabytes we need to flux capacitate our way back to the battle in the bush.
1: Oh, there we go. Welcome, folks. Falcon has taken an unpaid leave of absence this week to focus on his new dog, Bronx his work, and his website, so we have brought back the man, the myth, the legend, Antonio Panda Pants Pierce. Say hello, Tony.
0: Hello, Tony. (laughs) This week we'll be covering the London GT Invitational, Attack X, East China Open, and maybe, just maybe, we'll finally find out what happened in the Battle of the Bush all of two weeks back in Australia.
1: As always, we gotta start by repping the ladies and gents that make up our frontline gaming family. This week, you can check out Pablo, the Coconut Desperado Martinez, Vulcan, Trevor, the Eliminator Booth, and Relentless D Team Coach Josh on Chapter Tactics as they cover the London GT Meta and the SoCal Team Championships. Chapter Tactics, where tangents roam free. It's the Wild West over there, and it's gorgeous.
0: You can also catch The Art of War with John Damaris and Nick Nanavati. This week's episode features the Thunder from Down Under, Eric Lathoris, as he covers his approach to tiernids in 40K.
1: And tune in live every Wednesday on Twitch and to your favorite podcast repository on Fridays for signals from the front line, where this week, Reese, the third of his name, Richard Robbins, and Frankie, the Italian stallion, GM Papa, will go over their experiences at the London GT. Probably we're not sure exactly what's on, but hey. And lastly, a big shout-out to our pals over at Best Coast Pairings. They make this show possible, so do the right thing. Get a subscription. Don't be terrible like a certain Primark and forget about the people that got you there.
2: Tournament news is made possible by BestCoastPairings.com. Download the BCPTO app to organize events for just about any tabletop game system. Download the player app to easily find and participate in events from around the world. Around the world. world. Subscribe to BCP for as little as $5 a month to support the team and unlock additional features. Available for iOS and Android. Bestcoastpairings.com. Competitive events. Easier.
0: Let's skip across the pond for this last weekend marked the return of the London GT, the premier UK event that set the running standard last year for just how close you could fly to the sun before realizing you didn't have anywhere near the terrain needed to support 400 people and become the butt of jokes for tens of terrible people on Yelp in the competitive community, ourselves included.
1: Would they be able to bounce back? It was hard to say. Event organizer Zach Big Mac Attack Becker and his team definitely pulled out all the stops this time around, landing a much larger venue, putting together a beautiful stream setup with the help of Hellstorm Wargaming and The Honest Wargamer, and developing a terrain deal to patch the holes in their run last year. So why don't we hear from a couple of the players and, and see how things worked out.
3: Yeah, I guess I'd like to highlight how well run LGT was this year, props to Zach. Um, massive success. Um, it was an amazing event with almost no downfalls. You know, um, everything was good. The judging was amazing. The organisation was great. Um, timings were impeccable. Um, all all the events were well well run. Um, lots of space on the tables. Great terrain. Functional terrain. Mats um great sportsmanship all round it seemed as well not many salty players not much drama
4: um do you know what i I've, I've been to lgt this is my third year in a row uh i've been lucky enough to be playing in, in the last game for a place in the podium each year um i'm pleased to have, really pleased to have finally got to the top of it but i've got to compliment them on this year they really did make every effort to go you know what last year we really messed up we really want to improve that um, and it was it was it was massively improved the venue, the terrain, the organization, the reffing, the atmosphere, the, you know you name it for me. I thought it was cracking. And for the biggest event in the UK, it's so, so pleasing to see them really come through. So thanks very much, guys. I mean, the price support was excellent. I'm so chuffed with the things for the weekend.
1: OK, so that was Conrad and Anthony, both uh, top table victors from this weekend at the LGT in uh, two of the events that they ran. I gotta say, I am super pleased to hear that uh, Zach bounced back so hard um, this year with with the performance at the LGT. And just in, in putting it on, because it really was sort of a perfect storm of of uh, memes last year. Um, you know, cramped conditions, um, poor terrain, uh, delays of security. There were all these things, and that didn't seem to that that seemed to be the furthest from the mind of everyone who I was seeing who went this year. It looked fantastic. I don't know. Did you see any photos of the venue and, and, the, and the spread out there?
0: Yes. I got to, uh, I was on vacation over the weekend, but I got to see a couple pictures. I got to see, you know, some clips of some streams. Everything looked really, really good. It gives, uh, it gives hope to a guy who uh, messed up his own event uh, this past year. Oh, yeah. Well, you
1: know, the, you know baby steps here. And I, I think it was, um, I want to make sure we give credit to the right people. Uh, tabletop Scenics, I know, helped out with some of the terrain. I'm pretty sure gamemat EU supplied terrain for, um, pardon me, for the narrative, and for the main tables, uh, TT Combat actually created a, a package that you can actually go out and buy. It's, it mirrors the Nova format. So you got offsetting large ruins in the middle. You've got a smaller ruin in two of the corners of the table, and then crates, you know, a big pile of crates uh, in the other two corners of the table. So you get a very standard setup, fairly open table at the end of the day but nonetheless you know what you're dealing with on uh on everyone and the mdf cutting on that like the actual texture and quality of it really looked fabulous i don't know how it was painted but nonetheless the, i know that the bones of it were good um and it just looked fabulous i just love a big event with all the tables laid out row on row uh they were in this uh you know a very large facility with a big um you know vaulted ceiling it was just it just looked fabulous. And the, uh, the stream table uh, that we talked about there, Hellstorm War, Wargaming, did a really good job. Uh, looked like they were getting coached by our boy Rob Simes, uh, who was actually running the AOS stream at the same time. And that's impressive, getting, given the horrible, terrible, nasty things that he has said about the London GT from last year. Uh, so yeah, all in all, I just thought it was so wonderful to see that the, uh, the LGT, uh, seemed to go off, you know, it had its minor, uh, minor controversies, which we can, we'll, we'll touch on some of one of the players comments on one of them. Um, but, uh, other than that, I thought it was uh, just so wonderful to see them get out of their own way.
0: Yeah. It sounds like everyone had a really good time. They also expanded the London Invitational event from 16 players to 32 this year, bringing in top names from across Europe and North America for a five-round single elimination battle royale that would start on the Friday before the event and end in a blistering finale on Saturday night. People will no doubt remember the infamous water bottle incident that took place in the 2018 finale between Alex Harrison and Jeff in Control Robinson, an event that caused dramatic dips in water consumption across the competitive scene.
1: This year, the Invitational would feature so many players that we can't create hilarious nicknames for all of them, but really, 28 of, them, 28 of them didn't matter anyway. After nine hours of play on day one, four souls would remain triumphant as the clock inched closer to the venue's closing time. Nick Lancelot of the Game Table, Nanavati's Muscle Beach would face off against Josh the Fun-ish Hour, Death's range. while Conrad King-Con Martkiewicz, Eldar Flyers, would go head-to-head against a whole mess of Imperial li- of, of Imperial Knights.
0: King Khan would sail to an easy victory in his battle, mopping up his opponent in the first three rounds while Josh and Nick would end up duking it out for the entirety of their matchup. Josh managed to stay up on points for the majority of the game, keeping Nick at bay for as long as he could until he clocked out at the end of turn four. While things looked grim for the power-armored protagonist, hope would come from an odd place, the venue owner.
1: Due to a number of issues with the clock, a little sloppy play and good fun, and you can see on the stream just how good a time Nick and Josh had with each other, in a very tight schedule, as Nick moved into his turn five of play, players were informed that they would have to wrap up in minutes as the venue was closing down. Nick would be unable to capitalize on the time remaining, and Josh ended up squeaking out a one-point victory.
0: This would set up an excellent showdown of U.S. versus U.K. as Josh and Conrad headed into the finals on Saturday. Let's go to those guys so they can tell you how it went.
5: Definitely have to say for the list, my approach was kind of been my approach lately as a toolbox-style list. I seem to be gravitating more towards lists that can handle a little bit of everything and doesn't really shine at any one thing, able to take on multiple situations. Seems to be my focus. So that was definitely the focus of the list. Uh, MVP unit is definitely the Hunter, Uh, mainly because it caught a lot of people off guard, not really understanding why it was in the list to begin with. And uh, it was actually really, really effective in almost every way it was used, so uh, that was a definite MVP there. I've gotten a lot of questions about the Hunters. I I probably fielded... 30 plus questions over the course of the weekend about the Hunters. People would literally come up and interrupt my game with opponents asking about the Hunters. Um, So honestly the Hunters are two things. Um, uh, A lot of people thought that I brought them because of Anti-Flyer. The fact that they get a little bonus against Flyers literally is just kind of icing on the cake that's decent, but it's not really the reason you bring them. The main reason they're in the list is one, people try and kill them. I have a Drop Pod and a Dreadnought and a Scorpius in the list. And then they see the three hunters and they think it's an easy big game hunter. So it makes them want to try and kill them. Which is good for me, because they're 75 points, their toughness 8 with 11 wounds, and with the stealthy chapter tactic, they get a 2-up save pretty much all the time. So they're resilient, they're hard to kill, they happen to have a decent gun on them, and with the Master of Artisans chapter tactic, you're at least re-rolling hit and wounds for the one gun they have. So it's decent.
3: The special thing about my list, I guess, would be the Prisms. Um, I know some other players have been having some success with them, um, but generally they're an underused unit. Um, I wasn't actually a massive fan of them. They didn't hold objectives, they didn't give any board control. But in a lot of the games of the Invitational, they are really good. I faced a total of 10 knights over my 10 games, and um, I killed all of them except one. And the Prisms prevent Tyrannus from getting back up. Because as the turn player, you choose what happens first. Whether the knight gets back up or the last Prism shoots. The MVP unit actually, as usual, was the uh, Smash Autark with the Fusion, Super Lance, Banshee Mask. Um, obviously he's Simon so I can quicken him with my Warlock for a 44-inch move. Then a charge with a re-roll. Um, I misused him in the invitational final a little bit. Um, I didn't realize I had the distance and um, ability to get into the Scorpius to tap it and stop it shooting. I thought that Josh had left over an inch away from the wall, so I couldn't I couldn't charge it. But he still um, stopped a Hunter shooting. He killed a Dreadnought throughout the event. He did like fifty wounds to Knights over the ten games. Um, he's just an invaluable unit and an amazing counter charge um, and turn one alpha strike. Josh and
1: Conrad would have a short and brutal match, with Conrad's aircraft and fire prisms making short work of Josh's heavy hitters in the opening rounds. Let's hear what the two had to say about the final.
5: Uh, that final game that was on stream, the the final match for the Invitational was probably one of the Uh, better games of Warhammer I've had in a while and uh, First time I've actually gotten to be on stream in quite a bit Um, A lot of events really kind of have hesitated putting me on stream lately for obvious reasons Um, and uh, Being on stream and really getting to feel like I gave a solid amazing uh, Fight of a game and it was just a really great game. My opponent was uh, a total gentleman an amazing sport all the way through Conrad is an amazing player and uh, we were able to have a lot of really good talks even before and after the game. So it was just a really good game. Um, uh, uh, I've been told that I should go back and watch the stream, maybe fix some of my mistakes. Uh, made a lot of play errors.
3: Um, regarding the Invitational final, I guess the the turning point, I mean, obviously getting first turn is huge. Um, Josh made the mistake of leaving... big unit of 10 intercessors right in line of sight of my top prism on the hill so i was able to just disembowel the, the list out of all the intercessors killed about 18 or 19 i think turn one and then obviously the massive alpha strike with all the other planes um and the autark but i guess the real turning point is always that turn with planes where you really finish the player off so initially we were quite tight in points i think Um, It was completely neck and neck, but then turn three or four was a turn where I just killed five characters, picked up kill more, picked up hold more, and then the game swung from there and is basically over.
1: Congratulations to Conrad on the Invitational win. Conrad was also the 2016 LGT winner, and it's good to hear he's kept up that fighting form. We're going to leave off our Invitational coverage with a brief word from Josh. Many people know that Josh has had a patchy history in the competitive 40k scene and has been open about trying hard to clean up that image and despite glowing reviews from opponents and TOs from the last several events he has participated at Josh has decided to hang up the old 40k hat it sounds like for good
5: LGT was my last event and it was actually uh, probably the greatest way I could have ended uh, my career on it was a phenomenal event I got to have a great time Um, I actually got to show the community what my game is, and not what it was, and I was very proud of that, and, uh, <clears throat> but LGT was it for me, that was my last major event, uh, in regards to trying to play quote-unquote professionally, um, I'm not gonna be chasing the ITC or the the LVO or the prizes anymore, it's, uh, I severed all my sponsorships, I'm...
1: Earth-shattering news from Josh Death walking away from the game in the prime of his career. I don't know. This is a, this is the first time I've seen a, a dramatic big-name 40K walk away. Normally they just slink away and switch to AOS. What do you think about this?
0: I don't know. It could be uh, could be like many football greats to fade away into the into the sunset, or it could be like every rapper ever, and he just comes back next year.
1: You know, I'm going to go with uh, a Brett Favrian uh, retirement, not a retirement uh, kind of situation here. You know, I look, I I don't know all the gory details of every transgression that that Josh Death has made. And I also do know that he has legitimately gotten very positive uh, feedback in in certainly like recent year or years. And, you know, it probably isn't a lot of fun every time you're on stream to just get constantly catcalled and all that kind of stuff and i you know he travels a lot for 40k so i can see stepping away but i just thought it was uh uh interesting to have a uh, a, a 40k competitive name player retirement announcement here on 40k stat center 40k stat center first uh, hopefully uh the last for a long time because uh we, we need as many personalities and characters as we possibly can have because this podcast uh you know we need stuff we need we need content for the content furnace you know
0: exactly and honestly what am i what else am i going to do week to week if i'm not constantly devouring everything and making fun of people on the internet bingo
1: so there you go josh death into the sunset or is he tournament news this is the best general adam abramowitz and you're listening to 40k stat center your number one source for 40k news and tournament information
0: Now on to the Grand Tournament of Jolly Old England, where 364 players battle it out over five rounds in two days on much improved terrain boards. At the end of the day on Sunday, LGT would have 14 undefeated players. Four Triple Knight Imperium, one Death Watch Soup, four Eldar, four Space Marines, and one Orb. and one Victor. Anthony Chu. Anthony was running his patented Air Dari list with some tweaks for added flavor
1: fire up the air raid sirens it's the air Dari. we've got ourselves a flyer wing with three crimson hunter x-arcs uh and then uh including also a night wing with twin bright lances and twin shirking cannons and a crystal targeting matrix oh the night wing and then he's got a spearhead it's uh, got a farseer Skyrunner runner with a twin shirking catapult uh also another warlock Skyrunner, and then uh he's got a night spinner and two support weapons with the Shadow Weaver. And then uh, in the slots of this battalion, he's got... Sorry, in the slots of this, uh, I guess it's the heavy support one, the uh, spearhead, he's got two more Nightwings loaded out the same way. And then uh, finally, a spearwood spearhead to wrap it all up. A Cabal of the Black Heart with an... Oh, shucker Archon with Venom Blade. And three Ravagers with those Disintegrators. And in the Flyer slots, two more. Razor Wing Jet Fighters.
0: Gosh, nine flyers, Val. It just makes me want to puke in my mouth, to be honest with you. But let's hand it over to the man himself to walk us through his choices in favorite games of the tournament.
4: Hey, guys. Thanks for getting in touch again. So, um, on the Anadari list, I do like that label. So, it is um, eight planes in this list with, uh, I tried to give a decent swell of ground support. Um, The idea behind that was I sacrificed some CPs compared to my list I've run previously, but I was just trying to get in uh, more flexibility so that every unit really contributed because I felt like there was going to be a real mix of armies and forces at the LGT. Um, So a mixture of artillery, ravages for extra firepower, and I felt like that sacrifice was really worth it just because the sheer lethality of the list really went up. So that was my choices behind that. worked really well. Okay, so MVP for the weekend. I mean, it has to be... um, no surprise, and Archon and three Ravagers, they were, I wasn't sure how survivable they were going to be because, you know, I was worried about knights and, and there's lots of good firepower that can get through a, a four plus, a five plus symbol and six plus for no pain. But with the terrain, with the central line of sight blockers at LGT, having the three Ravagers just pumping out those shots behind the planes that you can't ignore really made them do work. Um, the artillery behind that was also useful, but it, the, the punch of the Ravagers let me push through hordes and take out power armor, especially primary marines, a lot quicker than I might have normally. So it was a really uh, big addition to the list that I really felt contributed a lot. All five of my matches were uh, interesting, some interesting combos. I think the last match, um, a really heavily faux-boss um, orientated intercessor list and... Getting first turn and that was massive. Um, me and my opponent discussed it. If he could go first... Um, I have a lot of ground units, but you know it's still not that many to kill, I don't think. And he would have properly swarmed me with units. Um, so that could have been a dicier game. Going first meant I could really push out, control that match, and allow me to really push um, for a bigger score, which eventually got me to the top of the podium by the single point. So I was very lucky. Um, but that was... That was a tough match to get through. Lots of uh, Marines in getting the cover bonus. There's a real pain just to chew through over the six turns. So good game.
1: Congratulations, Anthony, for leapfrogging to the top and getting to the uh, absolute apex of the 14-person undefeated heap to bring this one home. At least they were all undefeated this year. Still came down to a battle points tournament, but everyone actually won all their games, which is fantastic. Next step, guys. We're just going to have to add some rounds to the tournament and uh, maybe the Hef will fly over. There you go. Make this a proper six to nine round tournament, you know, with the top bracket, all the all the fanciness of it. An old Hef will be there in 2020, guaranteed. Slash, don't hold me to that. And of course, on the other half of the undefeated bracket sat a good amount of spicy Space Marine players We thought we'd dial up something special to talk us through a hot take of what will certainly be making up a good portion of top tables worldwide therefore we travel to the highlands of scotland and then back down about as low as it gets to the infamous overpass of cooper under which lives internationally renowned 40k troll innis wilson Innes braved direct sunlight and a long journey into civilization to compete in the years lgt Let's have a read of his list.
0: So Ennis was running White Scars with what looks like a triple battalion. He's got, in Battalion 1, Lieutenant with Jump Pack and Power Fist, a librarian with Jump Pack, two scout squads, and a five-man intercessor squad. In Battalion 2, we're rocking the good old Slaplin with Jump Pack, a captain in Phobos armor, three more intercessor squads, Three more Eliminator squads, with the 3rd Battalion running out with a good old Smash Captain. Two of them, in fact. Five more Scout squads, and it looks like a 6-man Aggressor squad and a Thunderfire Cannon. Now let's kick it to the man himself.
6: Hi everybody, this is Innis Wilson, recording off the back of my 4th place finish at the LGT. I was playing a pure White Scars list, with a focus on a triple battalion with powerful combat characters, Aggressors, and indirect shooting. My MVP unit of the list, as cliche as it is, was definitely the two smash captains. They did work in every game I needed them to, providing auras, buffs and sheer damage output, with one going as far as to put 30 damage on a knight in a single swing with a combination of relics, warlord trades and psychic powers. I've also got to give a special shout out to the Thunderfire Cannon, which had more CP invested in than any other unit in my list, just being able to fire tremor shells and then suppressing fire to fire it a second time, allowing me to apply it to two units, such as two orc boys or two squads of playbearers, which single-handedly won me maybe three or four games out of the weekend. Uh, quite frankly, an incredible unit and definitely want any Space Marine player that's trying to win games should be including. If I had been drawn against the other Flyers in a hypothetical round six, I think I would have had quite a difficult game, but not one that I couldn't win. Um, because the Master of Snares was still in effect, I could potentially tie down two, maybe three Flyers with a single Smash Captain maybe kill two, use the Consolidate D6 plus 6 stratagem, kill a second one, pile into a third and fourth, hold them down, uh, which is good odds of killing maybe both of the CP hero. And then I also have a lot of ground control for board presence. I can potentially get in for boots on the ground, especially against Tony's list, which had much less on the ground than Manny's did. So I think it was definitely a winnable game, but not one I would have liked to have played, especially since they're both such high-quality players that they would have made me work for even the potentially being able to kill two planes in a turn, let alone three to four like I would probably be able to get off against a weaker player. In my game against Nick, which was played on stream, um, the highlight of the match for me was definitely when I managed to get the charge in onto his aberrants that had come forward on turn one. Uh, he had put them in a place where he was expecting to be able to fight when he died to kill anything that I sent into them. But with a couple of clever placements from my scouts and other units charging in, I was able to limit him to only being able to put, I think, half the unit into the uh, into the aggressors. And then with transhuman physiology, they were doing so much less damage because Average relies so highly on their strength to force through wounds that being able to make them only wound me on fours would have basically shut them down. So he ended up not actually putting many attacks into them and it completely stopped them from being able to do anything. I think that was the turning point of the match because after that, Nick was just scrambling for catching up with me and any plays he went for uh, had to go for Hail Marys and they just never paid off for him. And I think that was probably what won me the game. The highlights of the LGT for me were definitely the two games I played on stream. So I played one game in the Invitational against Frankie and one game against Nick in the Singles. And they were both against Steeler Colts, so they both ended up being super technical and super entertaining games, but against really great opponents, so I couldn't have asked for better opportunities to show off. Well, I'd like to think show off how good a player I am by playing against two top quality Genestealer players and beating both of them. Uh, another highlight was just showing off Space Marines and having so many people be... Completely surprised at what White Scars could do to them. Um, the people were a lot of people were expecting me to wait until turn three to go in with the plus one damage, and then being completely shocked when I could blow them out well before that with all the just baseline incredibly powerful Space Marine things. And then when I did get to wait till turn three, being able to do all the White Scars things on top of that just broke some people's backs, and it was absolutely fantastic to watch and great to put my Dark Imperium dark box it on the board and beat people with it quite badly.
0: For anyone wanting to watch the action for themselves, head on over to Hellstrom Wargaming on Twitch or YouTube for that sweet, sweet Space Marine action. And for those of you who are gluttons for punishment, you'll also be able to catch Ennis giving an in-depth review of his list to our friends on the Art of War podcast in the coming weeks. Keep your ears peeled for that one and count how many times he says something is absolutely broken, man. It's a fun drinking game.
1: Tournament news. I'm Lawrence Baker,
3: and this is the B-Bone from Tabletop Tactics. You're listening to 40K Stat
7: Center.
1: Join us at the tournament capital of Canada, Kamloops. This once small trading post is now the proud host of over 100 sports tournaments a year and one 40K major hosted by Nathan Bosa and Dan Miner. 114 players were in attendance, including some notables such as Archon Skari, Jim Vessel, and Matt Bodnarchuk. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Matt Bodnarchuk is notable? To
0: someone other than the RCMP? I don't know about that, but I, you know who is notable? Undefeated third place finisher Jeremy Poon running mixed faction chaos. Even more notable than that, Cameron Bowler, who went undefeated to finish second with a hell of an Imperium list.
1: Here we are with Bowler's Mech Purium List. It's a spearhead detachment of the Adeptus Mechanicus variety. Uh, Forge World Stygies. It has a Daedalosus, or a Daedalos. Help me out here. Daedalosis? Yeah. I think I'm, it's Daedalosus. I'm going Daedalosus. Three Scorpius Disintegrators. And then another Outrider detachment here. It's Adeptus Custodes. We've got um, a Captain General Trahan Valoris, 185 points. A Vexilla Praetor. Uh, And then he's got uh, three Palace Grav attack tanks with twin Arachnus blaze cannons. Look at that. And then in heavy support, two Caladius Grav tanks. And then finally, in the super heavy auxiliary detachment, we're rocking a lot of different things on a house crass night crusader at the end of it all holy cow guys check this list out it's a page of stuff he's added to this thing but anyway it's a night crusader uh, obviously with an avenger gatling cannon and rapid fire battle cannon we're going to slide on over to cameron for his hot takes on the list and the event
8: hey guys thanks for having me on this is cameron bowler um with regards to the list um i really wanted a fast tough and efficient list that didn't rely on cps and could uh, consistently play from the bottom of the turn. I would typically start the game with about two to three CPs in most games. I would honestly still have them by the time the opponents had run out of theirs. Um, Custode's vehicles are still amazing. I'd argue that they'd even been buff with the flat two damage now in the Marine meta. Um, the Admec Scorpius are also, comparab- are also comparable in efficiency with the introduction of the new Admec character, Datalosis, and is uh, one to hit bubble my mvp for the weekend um the Cladius are still efficient workhorses of the list and the palace provide a pretty good mobile screen but the real mvps had to be the scorpius the the three of them um the volume of shots they put out uh paired with the Datalosis um, efficiency um they're they're pretty relentless and the the indirect fire it turn, turns out is pretty amazing especially that strength six uh, main gun is really good against all things Eldari. Um, but yeah, the the Dedalosis, he he's really uh, he's he's pretty much an auto include in anything admec related. I think uh, some highlights from my last match. Um, well, I couldn't ask for a better opponent in the final match uh, and my first 40k game on stream. Uh, his name was Darren Jack, and he was playing a mix of Tyranids, Brew Brothers, and GSC. He was an excellent player. He taught me a good lesson about the potency of mind controlling night crusader uh, I was pretty I got pretty ugly there um, I don't think there was a critical turning point in the game but I knew if I stayed castled and weathered the deep striking elements I could use my range to take out the rest of the army piecemeal before it got to me um, before those zone throats made their way across the board uh, lastly I just want to give a quick shout out to my team the molly Wamping thundercats we play out of victoria bc Um, With regards to the tourney, I had amazing opponents throughout the whole tourney. Uh, The caliber players at Attack X was excellent, and the TOs did an amazing job, Uh, specifically Dan Miner. And lastly, Custodius vehicles are not going anywhere, especially when you start seeing more Marines on the table.
1: A 40K player from Victoria. Uh, Victoria, Canada is about as far away from Grimdark as you possibly could get, Uh, so I'm happy to see this. And also, I'm loving the threat that... uh, that uh, Custody's craft tanks are not going anywhere.
0: Finally, as we here at the Frontline Gaming Network were all too aware, official network nemesis and last year's champ, Alex McDougal, was also on the scene to attempt a repeat of his performance. Sometimes a winning formula remains a winning formula, and counter to his biological imperative to constantly evolve, the Dugues dusted off a little bit of last year's list to see see if he couldn't get lightning to strike twice. He ran a triple battalion of GSC and Tyranids with a minimum battalion with Magus, Patriarch, and three Brood Brother squads that are mixed. Then he's got a Twisted Helix battalion with an Abominant, a Primus, uh, 19 Acolyte Hybrids with Flamers, two more Brood Brother squads, and an Aberrant squad, a Biophagus, and a Nexus. Then he's got the Peace of Resistance. The Kraken Battalion of yesteryear, with the Broodlord, Swarmlord, 36 Gene Sealers, and one Rippers, to make beautiful little engineers and recon grabbers. Now let's sling it to the back-to-back champ to tell us about his forces of
7: the Hive Mind. Hey, this is Alex McDougall. Last weekend I just won the Attack X Major. It's 114 players. Uh, I took GSC and Tyranids, uh, pretty similar to my Las Vegas Open list. It was Swarmlord double gene stealers, broodlord rippers, and then aberrant hand flamers, all the hqs and all the supports to make those aberrants work and then about 50 brood brothers to complete the list. I've, I dropped the mortars from the last time I used the list. The whole list hasn't really changed how it works. Um, the whole point is just board control. The brood brothers are going to go where I want. The gene stealers are going to push my opponent where I need them to be, and then the aberrants are going to come in for the big swing or the swarm lord, and that's what's going to really end the game. Uh, And that basically functioned exactly how it should have for four of the five games. And then my fourth game was against an Eldar player who really was able to do a lot of work to disrupt that and got on him because it was a super tight game. Uh, The cool part was that over the course of the tournament, uh, all different sorts of units were really showing up and doing what they needed to do. The Aberrants in some games, the Steelers in others, the Swarmlord by himself in others... Uh, the broodlord going for big big snipes on other characters uh, even honestly the rippers for 33 points they probably generated about 30 commi- or 30 victory points over the course of the tournament and i mean you just can't get any better quality than that the first 3 games were essentially all the same game it was 60 plague bears and all the goods behind those plague bears they all kind of played the same as well i take the board be patient or push the advantage when I can, crack that Plague Bear screen, and finally get to where I actually can finish the game, get to the characters, get the Armons, get the Demon Princes, and close that game out. Most of those games were decided by the Aberrants and the Swarm Lord, and one unit of Gene Stealers. That was about all I could do to get through those that big Plague Bear wall. Probably the most satisfying moment of the tournament, after I'd actually made a pretty big blunder, was the Gene Stealers a 20-man, and the game against the Eldar player, Osland, uh, they they hands down won me that game. They got Butcher's Bill three turns in a row. They got all four headhunter points. They killed 20 Rangers, Eldrad, Farseer, three Warlocks, half a squad of Reapers, and a Warwalker over the course of about six rounds of combat, so three turns. And they never left combat, and they were never able to be shot. And they just were absolute all-stars. All in all, it was a lot of fun to see the army still function how it should, even with new marines and the meta having evolved. I'm a little disappointed that this still seems to be the best. I had hoped that I could push the list a little further. I've been experimenting with single stealer, and I've kind of come full loop around to what I had always been running, but I'm glad to see that it still works. And We'll go from here and see what uh, FAQ 2 brings us.
1: A begrudging congratulations to the continuing nemesis that is... Alex McDougal on his Attack X Championship. I was a bit disappointed in Attack X this year. There were no throbbing lists for me to uh, send to people of uh, the orc variety, but that's okay. That's been, it's been two years now without a really good uh, graphic uh, list of a Godzilla-sized penis stomping through uh, <laughs> a burning city. Um, Attack X, the winner uh, in two thousand. 2018 it's a it's a list uh, sorry 2017 it's a list worth looking at uh perhaps a list so great that we will never see it again uh and also for some of the politest 40k action in the world head on over to the death clock dave channel on youtube and uh and see all of the attack x action right there okay everybody hold on for the bump
2: tournament news this is colin this is mitch this is chuck and we're from the Best in Faction Podcast, and you're listening to 40K Stat Center, where one host has a really strange nickname, and the other one's called The Falcon.
0: Last spring, there were whispers in the east of a grand tournament being organized. Deep in the far reaches of northern China toiled an eccentric foreigner named Tom Gilbert. It was his mission to convert the Chinese Warhammer economy from being strictly an exporter of illicit goods to a consumer of tabletop competitive 40K.
1: That first event in, his, in this harebrained scheme was the North China Open. And despite desperate Chinese 40K nerds traveling unbelievable distances, the dream of a GT would have to wait for another day.
0: Enter the East China Open in Shanghai, China's first true ITC GT at a healthy 30-player strong. Drawn from local Chinese and expats alike, the story of this event is best told by the man making it happen in China, Tom Gilbert. We'll kick it over to him for what is probably our favorite competitive 40K story of the year. So this
9: past weekend, we held the East China Open, hosted at Vanke Bilingual School in Shanghai. Uh, we had 28 players attending a two-day event, five rounds of 2,000 points. It was the second event hosted by the China Warhammer Open Group. Uh, we started it in May running the North China Open, up at my school in Tianjin. If you've never heard of Shenzhen, that does not surprise me. We are considered a bit of a second-tier city in China because we only have 15 million people. Uh, that one had 24 players. Uh, some of our players actually traveled up to 2,000 kilometers to attend, coming all the way up from Guyang down in the southwest. Uh, those Guyang players actually only went 1,800 kilometers to Shanghai, so it was convenient and local for them. Uh, and we actually had some players join us from Hong Kong this time, which was really cool. Uh, our goal has been to uh, to create a tournament scene here, basically from scratch. Uh, the Hong Kong players moving over to ITC. Shanghai is setting up an ITC league after their experience at our event this weekend. Uh, and I wrote an article about getting this up and running for Frontline Gaming back in May. Uh, because of the lack of clubs and groups and other events out here, we had to build all the terrain from scratch. Uh, I built the majority of it myself with the help from some of my students. We had the capacity for 20 tables this weekend, uh, and we set a minimum of 10 terrain pieces. So I've built about 200 bits of terrain in the last six months. Uh, I never want to see another ruin again. But because it was me doing most of the building and planning, uh, I was able to set a really solid standard. So most of our terrain is not GW. Uh, we plan for line of sight blocking ground for ruins. Uh, and we're able to play a true line of sight so if a player said you know can i see through the ruin the ground floor of that ruins i could be able to say can you see through the ground floor of that ruins there were no windows no doors so it's really simple every table uh, had 10 terrain pieces on it minimum six of them had to block line of sight four provided non-line of sight blocking cover ruins woods craters Uh, And at least one of them, roughly central, uh, had to be large enough to hide a Russ or a repulsor-sized tank. Uh, We put a lot of work into this, and a big part of that is we wanted the initial quality of our events to be really high. Uh, We're trying to build a turnip community from the ground up, and so far everyone has been enjoying the events. Uh, We're on track for Guangzhou in the new year. Um, This terrain that we made, it's all sitting in boxes in Shanghai still. And when we're done, it's going to be sent on to the, the next event in Guangzhou. Um, although it's available for other tournaments to use as well. We, we built this really as the idea of a tournament in a box. So if you want to run a tournament in China, you you can contact me. Uh, and as long as you pay the shipping to get it to you and get it back to me, that terrain is, is ready to go. Um, we're really just trying to boost the tournament scene. And we find terrain is a big barrier to getting tournaments going. One of our other big goals was including Chinese players. There's a big expat community here, but we really wanted it to be a mix. Um, There are Chinese player groups here, there are foreigner player groups, uh, but they rarely play against each other. Uh, So for this event, uh, we translated as much as we possibly could. The event pack was translated, the missions, the secondaries, everything was both in English and Chinese side by side. We did all announcements in both languages, uh, and two out of three of our judges were Chinese. Uh, and they had really great English as well, so we could provide language support as well as rules. And I think it really made a difference, to the experience of our players. The feedback we get is that they're playing people they haven't played before, and they're really excited about that. About a third of our players were actually Chinese nationals, which, given that GW doesn't produce any codexes in Chinese, is a really great sign that we're going the right direction. And also, my hat is really off to the hardcore nature of our Chinese players. They are translating everything they can get their hands on. There's such a growing group of players here, and I really hope Games Workshop pays attention and starts giving us those Chinese codexes, uh, because for me as a TO, it'll make my life much easier. But also, these players, they are so ready for it. We used full ITC Champions missions and the Code of Conduct, which was a long old bit of translation, our only alteration to the Champions Missions was picking two secondaries instead of three, and we just did that to help new players uh, get used to ITC. Our goal is to have three secondaries for our May events when we come back to the North China again and from there onwards. Uh, we also used Chess Clocks, uh, which even though they caused the same initial frustration for some players, basically Chess Clocks made everybody's lives happier and better. Uh, so we had a Chess Clock on every table this time. and. Every single one of them was valuable and made the game a better, made the tournament a better experience. In terms of the meta in China, it's continued to evolve. We had a group of really experienced players from Shanghai join us this time. Uh, Some of them had had ETC experience. So the general level of competition was much higher. In terms of armies played, uh, we had 28 players with 14 ITC factions represented. Uh, The most common were Space Marines, Eldar, Orcs, and Imperium. It was a really tight finish. Uh, the final game had a very strong Necron player fielding Sotek, uh, triple Doom Scythe, triple Doomsday Arc, big block of Tomb Blades, lots of Tesla. He's a really excellent Necron player called Damien. He got surprised in his third game by a Gene Stealer Cult player who deep struck his troops, filling almost a third of the board and forcing him to destroy his flyers because he couldn't land them. Uh, and he was still able to pull off a win with about 450 points of his army just removed on turn two. People look at his army and think they just have to take out one of the scythes to remove his punch, but it's much more nuanced list than it looks, and he plays it really well. That last game, he went up against uh, the other undefeated player, David, who had a brutal ultramarine list. Uh, Derridao, two Contemptor Mortis, three Redemptors, a Thunderfire Cannon, all backed up by Gulliman. And they ended up fighting to a 23-20 finish. Uh, They ended up tied in the standings and battle points for the weekend. So it was actually settled by Strength for Schedule. Really close stuff. Third place was a TIE Triptide list. And beyond those, we had a huge spread of list. Three dedicated knight lists. Only one of them knight outside of those. Four Eldar players, including one fielding a Scorpion super heavy. Uh, A couple of Death Guard lists. A pure Corn list. Even a pure Blood Angel player who did really well. But he's a really great opponent. He loves his Blood Angels. We're also starting to look outside of China. Uh, some of our players are looking to put together a Chinese IT- ETC team for next year. Uh, and we've started talking to players in Japan and Malaysia about attending each other's events. I'm not saying you'll see a considerable Chinese present in the ITC rankings anytime soon. But like everything here in China, we're growing at an incredible rate uh, and look forward to have some really vibrant Asian tournament scenes appearing in the next couple of years.
1: Thank you so much, Tom, for taking us uh, on that journey with you. We wish you uh, a lot of luck in setting a lot of those things up. And to mark this historic moment, here's China's first GT winning list garbled by yours truly, Val Heffelfinger. All right. It was a Necrons list. Uh, One, the the event was run by Damian Stewart, as mentioned. And uh, it was Necrons coming in four and one. And uh, in this one, we had a Battalion Detachment with a Cryptech and Emotech, the Storm Lord, three units of Immortals uh, with the Tesla Carbines, of course. And then in the Fast Attack slot, we had six Destroyers, a big old unit of of Tomb Blades, because they're so mean. And then in Heavy Support, three Doomsday Arcs. And then uh, an Air Wing Detachment of Sawtech Doomsize. So look at these guys. They're in China. They're in the east of China. China, 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 China. It's a great meme. Uh, and uh, these guys are are playing with the same meta Necron list as we are over here in the great free West.
0: That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. You know, what's good is good internationally. And Congratulations to Damien Stewart on his win.
1: And uh, I guess we should probably also say David Foster beating up people with ultramarines in second place uh also on one loss there's actually a bunch of uh one loss folks at this tournament but you know what they're gonna have to do good at the next gt if they want to get shouted out because there's so many people who were basically tied it's like this was the lgt they're even doing it the same way
0: you know it's pretty exciting they're fostering something over there um getting a lot of english speakers and chinese speakers together um even with the translations problems I think I read something about them having a, an issue with that, but it's really great that they're able to get this stuff off the ground.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, Tom was talking about, they've actually uh, gone through and translated the ITC pack. They made sure to have, um, uh, you know, bilingual um, uh, refs and judges, and I think that's really cool. Is that you know, the from from the outset, it wasn't about creating, you know, uh, uh, you know, forty k tournaments just for, you know, expats living in China who used to play 40 K there were actually already sort of two big groups of, of players. And a lot of what Tom has done is try to bring them together. Cause then he's got enough people to, to run these big GTs. Um, and I'm, I'm sure they'll only get bigger cause it is China. Um, and, uh, he also mentioned in there, uh, trying to get a, a Chinese ETC team together, which I think would be absolutely phenomenal. I think that would be amazing if that actually happened. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just I'm just so enamored with with worldwide 40k and uh, you know we've been seeing the uh, ITC missions packeting translated, Chinese in this case, um, definitely Spanish, Portuguese, German. Um, it's really becoming an international game and I think that is too cool.
0: It's very awesome. We're also seeing some things out of South America have been paying attention. Wasn't Reese recently on a Spanish-speaking podcast?
1: Yeah, that was actually, I think, uh, with regards to a, a very large Spanish team tournament coming up in November. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, like, there's there's 40K just uh, popping off all over the place, but specifically in Asia in this case. And while we're there, we should also stop for a moment to recognize another GT that took pa- place this last weekend in Malaysia. The hardcore Open was a 38-player event, so a bit bigger, and the culmination of five RTT heats leading up to the main event, GT. It was won by Gavin Singh, running a straight, nasty Imperium list comprising of AdMech and Space Marines. All I got to say is 40K worldwide, baby!
7: Tournament News. I'm Stephen Ford, a.k.a. Juice from Team Battle Brothers
5: Podcast, and you're listening to 40K Stat Center.
0: Now let's step back, just for a moment, to a simpler time. Some would weigh, some would say, a simpler place even. And space marines were generally forgotten, and the scariest things on people's minds were Gene Sealer Colts, Eldar Flyers, and Reese Robbins winning another event and telling everyone all about it for the next six months, like a vegan on CrossFit.
1: Yes, let's set our eyes on Australia and the Battle in the Bush major event, held by the folks at Friday Night Gaming. For two weeks, the Falcon has tried his hardest to get the participants to enlighten us on what went down on that fateful weekend. He begged, pleaded, and conjoled the two undefeated players for days on end to send him something, anything we could use. And finally, they answered.
0: That's right. All the way back on August 31st, 67 of Australia's Best and Brightest went at it in an ITC major to determine who would be crowned the best Warhammer Wombat from New South Wales. This was the third year for the event, and it has proven itself to be a new staple in the Aussie tournament circuit.
1: After five rounds of play, players that had been in attendance last year were in for a bit of deja vu when the top three lists turned out to be Lee, the abbot of Orange Abbey, and Christopher, the right stuff right. And coincidentally, a man named Josh was playing monkey in the middle, almost submarining to the top when the day was done.
0: Lee would end up coming out on top in the matchup between two best mates and take the whole event. Let's take a look at his list. He was running Gene Steeler Colts with a Bladed Cog Battalion with a Jackal Alphys, Magus, one, two, three, six Neophyte Hybrid Squads with two Mining Lasers and two Webers each, a Deliverance Brood Surge Battalion, a Four Armed Emperor with an Acolyte Icon Ward, Primus, a 16 man Acolyte Squad with six rock saws, um, a 15-man Acolyte squad with hand flamers, 16-man Brood Brother squads, three of them, a Sanctus, and three mortar teams, and then another battalion of Bladed Cog with another Jackal Alphas, a Patriarch, 20 Acolytes with hand flamers, and two more Neophyte squads with mining lasers.
1: Not too shabby. Why don't we hand it off to Lee
10: and he can walk us through some of that stuff? So my list for uh for the Battle in the Bush was um it was interesting. I had to submit a list. They they had a really long uh lead up before for uh list submission, so it's actually a four-week list submission um period, which is, is quite odd. Usually it's one or two weeks. Um, but it was, it was really made interesting because b- before Battle in the Bush, he had a four week, uh, list mission date, but after that, uh, list mission there was actually two events, uh, in between. So one was a, a GT, um, Castle Assault and another one was, uh, Eastcon, which is a major in, in Melbourne. Uh, so because, and they had only one and, and two week, um, list submission dates. So because of that, I had to make a really big sort of medical meta sort of gamble. And, um, and I went all in on the near flights with, uh, mining lasers and, and Webbers and combined that with a, a one rock saw bomb, um, and a, a 20 man hand flamer bomb. And then also I had a sort of a dual purpose bomb, which was a 15 man hand flamer bomb, but that's in the four-armed Emperor detachment for the plus one to charge, uh, and it also had a banner, so reroll ones, uh, and because it's deliver a Spruce Surge, they could be, uh, given the plus one to wound stratagem when they charge, uh, meaning that they're actually quite deadly, even though they've got hand flamers, those rending Claws, um, they're, they're pretty, pretty nasty as well, um... So yeah, I I mean I had a I had a feeling that the list was very strong and was going to counter a lot of what I was seeing like tank commanders and things like that. Um, but having to make the the call four weeks out when I had two events that I was going to in between was difficult. Uh, I ended up submitting the same list for all three. Eastcon had a, was two hundred fifty points less, so but it was basically the exact same concept. Uh, and obviously, it, w- it it was a really good call because I won first place at the GT, uh, third place at uh, EastCon, and then first place at the biggest event of the three, which was Battle in the Bush. Uh, as far as like a, a an MVP I, uh, for my the list at all three events, it's really hard to say. I mean, the beauty of Gene Silicon is that, or in my eyes at least, is that there there's no real MVP uh per se it's 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 matchup dependent every it's like water you know it flows it fits into anything depends what um what your opponent is what the mission is and you can use so many of the tools in different ways it's such a a, a versatile army like it really it suits me perfectly I just absolutely enjoyed it um but you know I guess the humble mining laser uh, it's it's pretty good um, and like fairly cheap and with bladed cog ignoring the penalty for moving. It's very powerful. Uh, perhaps the Calamorph. Like in some of the matchups, he was fantastic just for chewing up um chaff. Um he, he never killed it at all three events. You know, it's fifteen games. He never killed a character. I don't think he ever shot at a character. That's not what he's really there for, in my opinion. But um yeah, so yeah, the patriarch in certain games was absolutely useless and did nothing. And some, some games he was like MVP and, you know, you know, just absolutely dominated people. So it's really hard to, to say what an MVP was uh, overall, but, you know, it all just kind of worked together really well. So it was, it was great.
1: Lee would end up playing Chris in round three of the event and had only great things to say about one of the top Australian players in the ITC.
10: So with uh, regard to the hardest matchup and and uh, my favorite game at the event it was uh, I mean it was certainly round three uh, I played against Christopher Wright who's the current first place ITC player uh, in oceanic and he uh, I believe he's actually also tenth in the world um, so he he's actually generally wins events he goes to uh, when I played him. Uh, in the past, it's usually been top table, I think we've played five times, top table round five to win the event, um, and he's gotten me most of those times, uh, this time I managed to get him, uh, but it was odd, because it was, it was round three, so it was a bit different, it was at the end of uh, day one, uh, round three, very tough matchup, up um, tank commanders and dragoons, and just, just very nasty stuff for what I was uh, running, but I uh, managed to win I think it was 23 to 20 so we had a an absolute uh, laugh ride, a, a great game as as we always do and so that was really good um but that was certainly the toughest match up um there was a couple of other ones out there that I didn't that I was a bit worried about uh, there was a an ultramarine shirt uh, I mean list um that was a little bit um a little bit threatening but other than that like uh yeah certainly Chris's one was the hardest match up and I'm pretty proud to have won Having gone through him rather than just dodged him or, or something. So yeah, that's good. There was a few uh, sort of key highlights of the game with Chris Wright as well, where uh, I did get a bit lucky at certain points. I for for instance, I won the role to to see who goes first, and I got to elect to go second myself. So that meant that he was in in a bit of a, a bad position from the start because I Gene Steelcalt typically really likes to um, to dictate who holds more and who kills more uh, against this, uh, a gun line like he was running. Um, my list in particular actually has some, some quite interesting elements where it's not always good to go first or second against my list. Um, a lot of my opponents at, at all three events, they just kept on, you know, if they won the role they would, just say, oh I'll I'll make you go first, which wasn't always a bad thing for me because of the mining lasers and things. It meant that I only have to suffer sort of one turn of uh of abuse before I get to hit them back. Um and because I think they're they're thinking of things they've read about Gene cult or guides they've seen or whatever, uh and they're not actually applying they're, they're sort of thinking to what my list actually is and what it does, or they just don't know or they don't understand it, I'm not sure. Uh, but I did notice a recurring trend that often people were taking the wrong option, what I would call the wrong option against my list. Uh, Chris Wright, however, he he knew that he he really wanted to go second um, against my list. Uh, but fortunately for me, I won that role and, and I gave him... Uh, first, so I gave him first, and then it was kind of downhill for him from there. Uh, for example, he had night commander Pask. Uh, roll. I think it was like four shots from all of his plasma sponsons, plasma cannon, double shooting, and everything. And so that was pretty handy, and that prevented him from getting, I think, a kill. Or, a, uh, he couldn't time me. He he made it very easy for me to get kill more. I think in turn two from memory. Um. So that was, you know, and, and there was also a few other little things, like I dropped my, uh, my mining lasers. I dropped four neophyte squads in front of one tank commander, uh, four neophyte squads in front of Pask, and both uh, Pask and the tank commander had uh, the Pop Smoke on them. And I actually killed both uh, with, uh, I think it was two or three mining lasers to spare on each flank, which um i mean out of the 15 tournament games i used them i never had luck like that uh it was pretty phenomenal i typically would have to spend all eight mining lasers uh, sorry 16 mining lasers to kill one tank and usually then it would survive on one wound like that's the kind of luck i was sort of use, used to having with them uh but against chris where i really needed it uh needed them to dig deep for me they did so Uh, sorry, Chris, but yeah, no, that, that was good. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, there was, the, the whole game was pretty, pretty tight. So that was a great one. Now, as we mentioned previously, Lee was not the only
1: undefeated player at the battle in the bush. Josh Super Mario McMillan, a name you may remember from his Eastcon performance just one week prior, also came in hot and heavy, just barely getting eked out of the top spot by Lee's top rate performance. Josh brought a rather unique take on Tyranids, dusting off the Warriors of the Hive Mind for the showdown. Tony, now you also have your own take on this list. Why don't you read it to us and uh, tell us your thoughts?
0: All right. This is a battalion of High Fleet Jormungandr with a Neurothrope, a Tyranid Prime with a Death and Reddening Claws, 25 hormig- 23 Hormagants, 25 Termagants, 9 Tyranid Warriors with. Uh, two Venom Cannons and the Death Spitters and Renin' Claws. Now, nine, Molo- nine
1: Tyranid Warriors is also known as a MacDougal of Tyranid Warriors.
0: <laughs> it's a McDougal of Tyranid Warriors. Uh, he's got a Moloch in here. He's got a uh, another battalion of High Fleet Kraken with a Broodlord, Swarmlord, two units of 16 Gene-Sealers and a Ripper Swarm, and then a Spearhead of Kronos with a Broodlord and three Biovores. This is a list straight out of 2017 when the Tyranid book first dropped. We've officially come... Full circle on Tyranids, people. We've looped the meta, guys. We've 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 gotten back to the first stage.
1: Alright, so no harp no more harping on this. Why don't we actually hear from Josh about this list and his choices?
11: Hi, this is Josh McMillan from Legion. Uh, just on a recap from Battle in the Bush in Orange, New South Wales from the weekend. I played Monofaction Tyranids. Um I took what some would call a little bit of a janky list a little bit off meta. Um Chris Yates and the guys from Friday Night Gaming and Frontline Gaming Australia held the event out at Orange Bowling Club. Um the venue and terrain were amazing. Um so, you know, a lot a lot of good terrain drinks, mates, like it was um it was a great weekend. I I really enjoyed myself. Um day one I started enjoying myself a little bit too much and by you know, turn two in the third game, I realised I needed to stop drinking otherwise I'm going to start losing games. Um, but, yeah, I, I had great time and, yeah, the guys did a really good job hosting and running the event. I played Tyranids on the weekend, uh, Monofaction. I took two battalions and a spearhead, um, three different high fleets. Uh, in the spearhead detachment, I took Kronos. I had um, my warlord, which was the broodlord. And that was mainly for the Warlord trade. If you fail a psychic power within 18, take D3 mortal wounds and the ability to make the opponent cast on one dice um, from the stratagem. Um, and I took three squads of Bivores, two squads of three, and one squad of one, just because of points. Um, in my Kraken Battalion, I took Swarmlord, Broodlord, two squads of 16 gene stealers with four Acid Mauls in each, and a squad of Rippers. Um, and then in my Yulmagunda battalion, I took the Neurothrope, the Tyranid Prime, uh, 23 Hormigaunts, and 25 Termigons, And I took 9 Tyranid Warriors, um, 7 with Death Spitters, and 2 with Venom Cannons, and they had the adrenal glands. Uh, the Prime also had the glands, and I took a Morlock. Um, the way that I played the Yulmagunda detachment was uh, the Morlock would deep strike, and then I'd use the the tunnel ability to take the Prime and the Warriors up and because of their, um, because of their faction, they were getting plus one. They were always counted as in cover, so plus one to their save. So, made made them a lot more durable. Um, realistically, the way that I played them was a deep striking, gene stealer unit, uh, with a broodlord. So, um, yeah, eight inch charge off the deep strike, a little bit of shooting and. Yeah, I think just people didn't really know what to expect when they popped up, and those three squads of gene sealers technically was the threat. Um, the The only real spicy thing that really was on the list was the the gene sealers. Um, they were my MVPs. Um, just being able to move them around the board, um, charge, fight, and then run away, uh, for the overrun stratagem. Um, yeah, that was. Pretty much my my best unit over the event. Uh, Swarmlord really let me down over the event. Um, bounced off a lot of things. Uh, I still think he's too expensive for what he does. And being able to be targeted. Um, yeah, he really let me down on the event. The hardest matchup for me on the weekend was uh, round one. Where I played Gilliman, uh, the Repulsor, Repulsor Executioner, a Sakharin. Um, I think it was... Uh, Redemptor Dreadnought with the uh, Assault Cannons, um, some Eliminators and some Infiltrators, um, and Tiggy, and a, I think it was a Tech Marine, off memory. But, um, and that was probably the worst table for terrain. I literally had a couple of boxes to hide behind, and I pretty much could hide Swarmlord and a couple of little bugs, and I put my Gene sealers in the nodes. Um, but yeah, turn one, I, I got, my Neurofrope got sniped out, I spent a CP to reroll one of the saves, failed that. So he died. Um a couple of my homygons died, so then I had to spend 3 CP turn 1 between the reroll save and keeping those bugs alive to the next turn be able to charge and wrap and start tagging things. Um and that was just a a very uphill battle just trying to wrap and tag tanks that could fly and hoping to get to the dreadnought, but um I ended up baiting my opponent with um one of my nodes right on the edge of my deployment so he moved within nine inches of it um, obviously so then to delete it but i had one hidden i think uh, about roughly 10 inches away from that nine inch one so as he got to that one then in turn two the next lot of gene seals could pop up because i had the other lot of gene seals i had in the backfield uh double move with Lord and the double advanced strat to then wrap and tag him and then try and keep everyone safe because everyone just went in and charged in, and I just didn't didn't kill the, the Sakarin, and then I used that to pretty much just slingshot everyone across the board and just try and smite the Repulsor to death. And then I ended up getting into, I think it was turn five or turn six where I didn't have much left, and I was just lucky to hold on and get get the win in that round one, but. That was definitely a hard game J- just because of terrain and the turn one just killing my synapse from my neurothrope straight away. Just like, yeah, I think he had three shots from the snipers and uh, all three hit, and I failed all three saves, even with the CP reroll with a three up involve. And I was just like, well, wow, it's going to be one of these games. And that was literally my first saves of the game. I failed all three of them, and, and my neurothrope dies. Um, Moving forward, ne- next event, I'm probably going to play my Nids again. Um, and I'm working on some Imperial Guard. I might go back to Blood Angels. Um, just not sure. I'm just at the moment. I'm just playing whatever I feel like playing, and it seems to be working. So, who knows what jank I'll come up with for next next big event. But yeah, the the warriors are definitely definitely going to come back out. I didn't just finish painting them to put them away and collect some dust.
1: Thank you very much to Lee and Josh for getting those clips into us in a very timely manner. We know uh, you know, things can be hard with the time difference. Uh, I, I know, I know Australia is like six weeks behind.
5: Tournament news. Daniel Hester's here with the Alpha Strike Podcast, listening to the 40K Stat Center. Yeah, baby.
1: Well, guys, that just about rounds out the show. But before we depart your ears, we've got a little bit of news and brief.
0: Rasmus Valen Fredriksen takes a 34-person Invasion GT with his Kari. And we're just going
1: to uh, play a little clip very briefly for News and Brief.
12: Hi, my name is Rasmus Fredriksson, and I went 5-0 at the Invasion. Uh, invasion is a uh, Warhammer tournament that's been held for about 10 years, I think, in Kristiansand in Norway. Uh, but this was the first year I actually attended the event Uh, there were around 34 people I think on the Warhammer 40,000 tournament so uh, yeah the list I ran was a Cabal of the Blackheart Spearhead with uh, an Archon Warlord, the staple 3 Ravagers and then 2 Razorwing Jet Fighters Along with this I used a Prophets of the Flesh battalion, with a homunculi, urian, uh, 15 racks, and then the meat of the army, which is 28 grotesques. This is not a lot of CP, and I was a bit uncomfortable with that, but uh, hopefully, in my estimation, the grotesques wouldn't need that much support, and that turned out to be true. The matchups that I faced in that tournament were um, Round 1, I faced a Taunar Supremacy Armor Which was an extremely bloody game Uh, Round 2, I faced a a Space Marines Imperial Fists Army Which was very exciting, I hadn't played against the new Space Marines yet Uh, Round 3, I faced my own kind in a a Dark Eldar Venom spam list Round 4, I faced Custodes on foot, which was very nerve-wracking as I'd never really played that much against Custodes and I didn't know what they did. And in the final round 5, I faced the Custodes hover tanks with a battalion of Imperial Guard and a battalion of Sisters of Battle, which was a fierce, fierce matchup. But the hardest matchup, I think, I had in that tournament was against the Venom spam lists, definitely. It was uh, hard when they have almost the same shooting units as you do. He also had a spearhead of Blackheart. Luckily, I went first, and we traded Ravagers back and forth, and as i went first i ended up with 1 and he ended up with 0 at the end and uh, i'd placed one of my grotesque units in r- deep strike just to get a bit of extra reach and that really helped in the in the late uh, late stage of the, stages of the game for mvp i think definitely the grotesques took the took the medal Uh, to no one's surprise they are extremely tough and it's not that they don't die necessarily they do but even if your opponent kills like five of them you still have 23 left so it is almost impossible to to have board control against that many and uh... well i was also extremely lucky definitely i rolled a lot of 4up involves and uh, yeah it's not not much you can do against it. Special mention in the, on the MVP side also goes to the Vexator Mask relic that you can take, which, even if it doesn't necessarily have have an effect in the game, the threat of it definitely helps you out.
1: Thank you, Rasmus, for the least brief news and brief item that we've ever had. But nonetheless, a little bonus coverage there you, from our uh, our man in Norway. And finally... Aaron A. Long blows up the 28-man bluegrass blowout in Kentucky, rocking one of his usual Imperium mélanges of Blood Angels, Ultramarines, and Guard. That's about it, town. What do you think? How's the show?
0: Oh, I always love these shows, Val. I never hear anything bad from me about them.
1: Well, that is really nice, Mister Panda. Um, you know, keep doing your thing. You know, you you've got you you're like the written reporter. You know, while people are waiting for us to get our act together and put the show out, you know, they've got the, the panda posts on uh, on Reddit and also uh, the BiffPod uh, page to to tie them over every week. So uh, I greatly appreciate them.
0: Well, I always try to keep doing them, um, you know, furiously taking screenshots on my phone on Sunday night when my girlfriend's asking me what I'm doing.
1: Yeah, that's right. Especially when when, uh, when the Falcon doesn't get his stuff together. And you know you don't have you don't have it to to lean on, it's lame.
0: Yeah, I did get spoiled there for a couple weeks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Also, I recommend using uh, the Best Coast Pairings uh, actual website. It's uh, it's really handy for uh, for grabbing things quickly and efficiently as long as you know the name of the tournament.
0: That's very true, but I don't think you can get lists on the website. So as you always, should. I like to remind people to subscribe to the Best Coast Pairings app, where you can get all the lists all the time whenever you want.
1: Look at this guy. He's, he's a pro. I mean, you know, he's a backup, but he could be a starter on any team. That's uh, Tony, you've been, you've been wonderful. Thank you so much for helping us out, as you always do. Also always helping us out in the background. Thank you to everyone who got back to me uh, at the last second. About half the show was put together uh, today um, in response to frantic messages from me uh, this afternoon. So especially the guys in the U.K., Um, and, uh, from far afield, uh, in British Columbia, thank you so much for your contributions. And I think that's just about it. Uh, Tony, anything left to say?
10: Bye-bye. This
2: has been 40K Stats Center, a presentation of the Frontline Gaming Podcast Network. Like what we do? Subscribe to and rate us on YouTube and wherever podcasts can be found. Join the conversation. Follow 40K Stats Center on Facebook. You can also support the show directly by joining the Chapter Tactics Patreon and Competitive 40K in general via the ITC Patreon or by grabbing a subscription to BCP.